It is good to see all of you today. We have a several, several visitors with us today, and I'd like to personally thank you for coming. You picked a, a great day to come. We are making our way through Luke's Gospel, and we are going to be dealing today with worry. Worry is not a problem for anybody in this room, right? <laughs> Doesn't it seem like it's a problem for all of us, and we all need to know the solution for it? So as you take your Bibles and look over at this passage, I'm going to try to cover it all. We'll see how we do. Lord willing, I will. And hopefully encourage you. The title of the message is, Don't Worry, Trust God. We've been looking at Jesus' instruction of his disciples. We have seen Jesus' lessons on being his followers. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What are the disciples of Christ supposed to avoid? We've seen followers of Christ should avoid hypocrisy, being two-faced. We should avoid being fears of man. We should avoid denying Jesus before men. We should avoid rejecting the Spirit's work in Christ. Instead, we've seen followers of Christ should fear God, trust in Jesus as the just and gracious Lord that He is, confess Jesus before men, seek God for His forgiveness, and trust God in difficult times. Then last time we were in Luke chapter 12, we saw Jesus was interrupted by one of the people in the crowd. Remember, this is Jesus teaching His disciples in the midst of a great crowd. And one of the crowd members interrupts Him, and Jesus turned to the interrupting man and firmly called the man to think differently. Reevaluate who you're talking to. He commanded him to do something for him, and Jesus asks him a question and calls the man to rethink who he's talking to and how he's talking to Jesus. You realize who you're talking to? Stop! You need to rethink how you're thinking about me. But like I said, the interruption gave a perfect transition into the lesson Jesus wanted to teach his followers concerning what they value. He taught them what was important in life. In verse 15, we see, if you look in your Bibles, Jesus stated, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. In this little phrase, we saw Jesus strongly warned the disciples to avoid all forms of greed. Then Jesus gave the reason the followers must guard against this greed. We see it. He says, our life, in a sense, he says, because our life is not all about the abundance of our possession. Genuine life is not about how much we have in this world. Life is really all about who we know, not what we have. That's a very important thing to get across in your mind. It's about who we know, not what we have. And I'm not talking about just friends in this world. I'm talking about knowing God. And that's what he was talking about. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Remember this illustration of the rich man? And Jesus told a story of the rich man possessed, or obsessed rather, with getting richer. And storing up his things. And he comes up with this plan and all of a sudden 
the story comes to a shocking end because the guy dies, right? As we saw, Jesus was teaching a message, and a very important lesson. Look at verse 21 in Luke 12. He says this and summarizes the whole message of the story. So is the man who stores up treasures for himself. That is foolish, previous verse, and is not rich towards God. Jesus stated in effect here, we must be totally consumed with God, not this world. Do you hear that? Get this. True life is all about being totally consumed with God or rich towards him. Our purpose in life is to know and to enjoy God. That's why we're here. To know God and be rich towards him. Today we see Jesus develops this further. How we should live our lives here on earth. The focus of today, like I said, is on worry. (laughs) All followers of Christ must avoid worry. All followers must understand why we worry, and we must know what we should turn to. Worry is what? Anxiety. We sometimes rename it. We do this. Being overly concerned for someone. We say it, we, we label it, Being concerned for our circumstances. Being concerned for somebody else. We do that all the time, don't we? I don't worry. I'm just concerned for them. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. That can still be worry. Being overly concerned for somebody, right? Losing sleep over a concern. Well, I couldn't sleep last night because I was thinking on something. What were you thinking on? Why couldn't you sleep last night? Was it perhaps worry? Or maybe it's fear of a circumstance or nervousness or apprehension. Are those things worry? They can be. We must be very careful. They're all synonyms, by the way, in the dictionary for worry. All of these concepts are related to worry. Our world gives us lots of temporary fixes for our worry, don't they? The world tells us we have a solution. The solution is called medication. I need sleep medicine. It's amazing. I don't even want to show of hands of how many people go on sleep medication in here so I can sleep. But the reason why is because I'm overly anxious and can't sleep at night. I think it's very important for us to think on these things. We're told that the solution is to come to grips with our past. In other words, spend time thinking about your past and come to grips with it. Get over it. But you got to embrace it and think about it and meditate on it and spend time thinking about your past. You know, you all have all those pictures of the person laying out on the, on the couch, right, at the psychologist's office. Tell me about your past. Well, that gets rid of your anxiety, right? No. Because the more I meditate on my past, the more I worry. <laughs> I don't know about you. I need to put that behind me and press on. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't dealing with these things, but it's so important. These are temporary hopeless answers to anxiety. Or they say you need to view yourself better, self-esteem. You need a better view of yourself. We're also told to replace worries with just taking action. 
you know, you start worrying about something, just do it. Do something new. Just replace it. Get over it. Or my favorite one, when I was lost, that is, a wrong philosophy that I embraced strongly when I was a lost person. Just ignore your problem and move on with a smile. That was my philosophy, my worldly philosophy. Don't worry, just resolve to be happy. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is the one reason why I was, when I, before I was saved, I love that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Came out in 1988 by Bob McFerrin. This song was the song of the year in 1988. Did you know that? Everybody loved that song. Don't worry, be happy. That was my favorite. Ooh, and it's got a really catchy tune, too. I, I was going to sing it for you, but I decided not to. Just a couple of lines from this worldly philosophy. Here it is. You ready? In every life, we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Another line. The landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style. Ain't got no girl to make you smile. But don't worry. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It'll soon pass. Whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. That's what our world tells us. This worldly philosophy that says just get over your problem by ignoring them and letting them go and resolving to put a smile on your face. Fake it until you make it. This philosophy is rampant in self-help everywhere. Just grin and bear it. Endure it. Endure something unpleasant and good humor. This philosophy of the world is often used to counsel people with anxieties. I want to quote an article. Look at this. I was reading this. An article from a therapy magazine telling us how to deal with depression. You ready? The idea is to go through the routine of life as if one were enjoying them. Despite the fact that initially it feels forced. Enjoy it anyway. And continue doing this until happiness becomes real. Again, fake it until you make it. That's what... Don't worry, be happy is all about. This way of thinking is common in our world, folks, for worry. But it's not a lasting solution. I found it so ironic <laughs> that as I was reading a little bit about the author of the song, you know, Don't we Worry, Be Happy, I ran across a time when he had this song. The song had already become famous, right? And George H. Bush used it as his campaign song it was his main theme song so guess what the author did he boycotted he got upset because the guy used it without the permission he boycotted using his own song he wouldn't sing it anymore and the reason why is because he was what upset <laughs> you see the ironing in it it doesn't last don't worry be happy i'm not going to sing that song anymore he makes me upset. Didn't work. He's unhappy. Worry is what he would say now, right? No. Again, all worldly philosophies for dealing with anxieties fall into a long list 
of useless, unsatisfying hope. It doesn't do anything. It's temporary. However, our Lord in this passage gives us the solution for worry. And that it's an eternal, all-satisfying solution. He tells his followers how to deal with stress and worries in life. Yes, Jesus instructs on this topic, so that means we all are prone to do what? Worry. So he gives us the answer. Let's look at it in this passage. Luke chapter 12, it breaks down into three basic solutions. He gives three solutions. God's solutions for worrying are, first, thinking correctly. Second, seeking correctly. Third, treasuring correctly. Jesus breaks it down. What you think about, if you think right, if you seek right, if you treasure right. We'll see this as we go through. Today we're going to see that the followers of Jesus must think correctly, seek correctly, treasure correctly in order to avoid the debilitating sin of worry. Think right, seek right, and treasure right. Let's look at the first one. All disciples of Christ must think correctly. This is found in verses 22 to 28. And he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap they have no storeroom nor barn and yet god feeds them how much more valuable you are than the birds and which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan if then you cannot do even a very little thing why do you worry about other matters consider the lilies how they grow they neither toil nor spin But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God has so clothed the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? In all of our Lord's solutions for worry, he breaks down the solution into three sections. There's a command to avoid worry, a reason to avoid worry, and then an answer for the worrying. And it's this way in all three of his solutions. He does the same format each time. A command, a reason, and an answer. Every time in all three. So it's going to be very easy for you to understand this passage. I find it very encouraging that some of the verses that just Some of the concepts that we're really prone to fall into, worry, for example, God's word makes it super simple. I mean, I could actually read that passage and not do a whole bunch of explanation, and you can understand it. You can get the gist. Some of the difficult things are left for those hard doctrines. But anything that we really need to nail down, like worrying, something we're all prone to do, he makes it very clear. This is almost identical to the Matthew 6 passage. It is not the same time. He's saying it again. And why he did this is because we're prone to worry. (laughs) He probably preached this sermon more than twice, probably four and five times. He talked about this, or maybe more. 
I could see us going through this sermon every year. We probably all need it because we're all prone to it. So he gives a command to think correctly, a reason to avoid worrying, and an answer for worrying. Let's look at the command to not worry about your life. And he said to them, his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Jesus starts his teaching on worry by connecting it to the previous illustration. He says, for this reason. So, in light of the fact that the fool stores up treasures on earth and is not rich towards God, in light of that, that's foolish. That foolish thinking, in light of that, you need to think different and don't worry. This is foolish thinking to treasure up things on earth. Now Jesus says, for this reason, do not worry about your life. He then gives, Jesus exhorts them, don't worry about your life. He then gives further explanation as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Jesus commands them to not worry about food or clothing. In Jesus' day, there were some obvious differences from our day, correct? There were no refrigerators back in Jesus' day. Yes, they could store food, but it was very expensive and only the rich could work it out. There were not convenience stores and Walmarts and fast food joints on every corner. Food, during Jesus' day, was synonymous with life, physical life. Much like in some third world countries for us today. So food has a much more valuable component to daily living during Jesus' day than even in our day. So the temptation to worry about not having food was always there in Jesus' day. Those people worried, okay, I wonder if I'm going to have enough food next week. If I'm going to have a, how about a meal tonight? That was constant. They lived in that. Now, most of us in here, I would imagine most of us, have not had to worry about a meal. Is there anybody in here that, don't raise your hand worried about, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to feed myself tonight. Most of us have gotten food, and food's provided. So we might think, well, I'm not going to have to worry about that, Mike. No problem. Well, listen, just because you don't worry about food doesn't mean that you don't have the same heart that is prone to worry. (laughs) And you will see this as we go along. Clothing was the same. Listen, you needed a nice pair of clothes because it could be cold at night in Israel. Walking around, you wanted to have a couple layers. (laughs) And we, on the other hand, in our culture and society, have closets full of clothes, don't we? Tons and tons of clothes. Nobody in here said, oh, man, I don't have anything to wear to church today. And I'm not talking about dress up. I'm talking about anything to wear to church. Didn't worry about that, did you? So you might think, well, we don't have it like this, so I don't have to worry about that. No problem. I'm not going to worry about that. He says, Jesus says to him, don't worry about it, even though it could be a problem for them. It could be a daily problem for them. Let me ask you a question. Those are serious things, aren't they? Eating and not having something to wear. 
that almost makes sense to worry about those things, right? It almost, to a degree, you might think, well, I didn't have a meal. That would be a little concerning, right? How come everybody in here doesn't have a problem with having the food to eat or clothes to wear, and yet we still are very prone to worry? Why? I think the solution to our worry is the same solution to their worry. And we'll see it as we go along. Let's see. Jesus gives a reason why we should avoid worrying. He says, he explains that life is more than food and the body more than clothing. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Jesus means that true life is more than physical life. It's not about this life. It's about our eternal life, our our right standing with God and our enjoyment of him forever. Physical life, the physical well-being in their culture, in their society, was held on tightly. It was held on too tightly. By the way, it's held on tightly here, too. The culture and time of Jesus lived was totally focused on these two things. Physical life, which came from food and clothing. That's what their whole lives were about. And he tells them what? Life is more than food, and it's more than clothing. But Jesus says here, avoid worrying about these things, because life is more than those things. Now, back to us. In our society and culture, life is about what? You fill in the blank. (laughs) Life is about houses, cars, cell phones, computers, flat screen TVs, the quality of our medical care. Our retirement funds, eating out in restaurants. Our culture says you are not alive if you don't have a house, a cell phone, a computer, and a social security income when you retire. Oh, boy. That's life for you. If you don't have that, you're not alive. That's what's important. (laughs) And what do we do? We worry if we don't have it. But the implication for us from Jesus' commands are we must avoid worry over these things also. That's an implication, right? It's obvious. We can't worry about these things. What about a job? I mean, does that mean that we shouldn't look for a job? No, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue getting a job and work hard to get a job and work or you don't eat, right? But worrying about it, anxiety, it can't be. Life is more important than those things. I find it so interesting that if food were so valuable to us as during Jesus' day, his command would have been much harder for us to follow, wouldn't it have? Don't worry about those things. Yet what do we do? We worry over less important things. (laughs) What in the world? We say, we want to be followers of Jesus. I want to be, how many of you have said this in your mind? I want to be like the early church. I want to be just like those guys, right? (laughs) Yeah, until we start losing our cell phones and our cars and our houses and our our retirement plans. And we actually have to pay more taxes and don't get Social Security. And, oh, no! Something's wrong. Next, we see Jesus moves to the solution. Look, an answer for worrying over food and clothing. He gives it. 
Jesus gives three correct ways of thinking that will solve all of our anxieties. I'm telling you, if you think this way, it's going to help you with your worry. You ready? We must know that God values us more than ravens. Look, verse 24, consider, think, think on, meditate on the fact, meditate on the raven, for they neither sow nor reap, and they have no storerooms nor barns, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds? You know, the raven population hasn't suffered a whole bunch since Jesus was around. (laughs) It's still not suffering much. There are thousands and thousands and millions of birds. Aren't there? Y'all see them, right? Birds everywhere. And they do just fine. God took care of them then, and he takes care of them now. Consider God. He takes care of the birds. He does a good job too, doesn't it? Doesn't he? They don't store up things. It's very clear. God provides for his creation, doesn't he? He does a good job too, doesn't he? Even though we're in a curse-filled world, he does a fantastic job. That's what he's saying. Think right about God. God cares for you. Now, I'm not doing this in order to build up your self-esteem. And Jesus wasn't doing this to build up your self-esteem. He was doing this to build up your value of God. That you would see that God loves you. God cares for you. You are more valuable than the birds. That's good news. Peter might not like that. But you are. You're more important than your dog. You're more important than your animals. You are valuable to God. You're made in his image. He takes care of you. He loves you. If we think this way, what will we do? We'll stop worrying. Why worry? God loves me. He's caring for me. He, I'm valuable to God. You are, ladies and gentlemen. We must know, second, he says, we must know that God is the ultimate sustainer of life, not us. Look at this. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Lifespan here is cubit. The idea is, is which of you can add just a little bit of length to your life? Now, here's the problem. Our culture does what? I mean, I know we have healthcare people in here, and I'm not telling you quit your jobs. But the reality is this, right? We think we are the one that keep us alive. It's about us, right? And so whose confidence is, do we put it? Our confidence in our life, ourselves. And we worry if we're in, oh, I got a cold. Oh, whoa, a cold. Now I know some of you are reading that. One of you in particular is reading about the influenza that went through and killed. What's the reality, though? God is in control. God sustains life. 
I, I would imagine our doctor in here would probably give a, a hearty amen. He can't keep somebody alive if God wants him to go home. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. And Psalm 139 makes it very clear. The number of your days are ordained before there is one. That's it. Now, does that mean that we don't have a responsibility to work? No, I'm not saying that. But I am telling you this. You can work and work and work and work and work and worry and worry and worry and worry, and you ain't going to add one inch, one day, one second past the amount of time that God has ordained for you. I promise. That's what the Bible says. Take it up with him. I mean, you can work till you are rich and have everything. But you're going to die exactly when God ordained that you would die before the foundation of the world. That's hard for us to hear, but it's the facts. It's what the Bible says. So, here's the solution to worry. God knows and is the ultimate sustainer of life. I've got to trust him. That's what Jesus told him. Trust me. Trust God. You can't add it. You can't do the littlest thing. Why do you worry about other matters? Don't worry about it. Third, we must know that God will glorify us far above even the most glorious of earth's creation. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon, King Solomon, richest man to ever live in Israel, right, King? And all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? We see here the solution for worrying is knowing God values us. He sustains us and he will glorify us. All of us that trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior will enjoy him. This is one reason why I would say that this is directed specifically to who? The disciples. It's got to be. Because I don't know about you, but the people in hell are not enjoying clothing like Solomon. But the ones that trust God, trust in Christ who came to die to pay for your sins and give your life to him, we can trust that God will take care of us. Matter of fact, he's going to give us far above the most glorious of all creation. Last week I told you to go out and smell the roses, smell the flowers, remember? Examine the creation. The most glorious thing that you saw last week does not compare to what God's going to do for us when we share with him in glory in heaven. It doesn't even come close. This is who God is. What is this? This is thinking eternally. We see here the solution for worrying is knowing God values us and sustains us and will glorify us. So can we worry if God cares for us? No, there's no worry. Can we worry if God sustains us and we know he sustains us? No, there's no worry. There's no reason to worry. Should we worry if we know that God will bless us in eternity, in glory? No. Don't worry. 
You ready? Trust Jesus. Trust God. Don't, don't worry, be happy. But don't worry, trust Jesus. And I guess we could take it one step further. Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy God. God cares for you. So now Jesus moves to the next solution for worrying. Seek correctly. And do not seek what you will eat or what you will drink. And do not keep worrying over and over and over. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek His kingdom. And these things will be added to you. So again, Jesus breaks down the solution into these three sections. A command, a reason, and an answer. Notice the command to avoid seeking the things and worrying in verse 29. And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. And do not keep on worrying. Again, now instead of correct thinking, he moves on to what we seek, what we pursue. Now this is so important, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you get this. We know that often these concepts are tied together. What we think about is what we end up pursuing. What we meditate on is what we end up going after and craving. Okay? And this is exactly what he's doing. He's building perfectly. He's building. Look, if you think about God and how he sustains you and how he cares for you and how he loves you and how he's in control of you, if you think and meditate on him, then you will do what? The next thing to do is to seek him. But if you worry about food and clothing and all these things of the world and your mind is obsessed with things and stuff and what you have and you're always thinking about this stuff, guess what? You're going to pursue this stuff. You're going to seek it. And he's right on line. He's trying to get you to think right and then pursue right or seek right. Jesus exhorts his disciples to avoid seeking this junk or this stuff that's going to go away because it doesn't satisfy like God satisfies. So, let's look. He moves on to his reason. A reason why his disciples should avoid seeking and worrying over these things. Jesus explains that these things may be sought by the world, but the Father knows your needs. Avoid seeking and worrying because even though the world seeks these things, your father knows your need. He's going to provide for you. Look, for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your father knows that you need these things. The contrast here is stark, folks. What does the world pursue? These things. In Jesus' day, it was food and clothing. In our day, it's what? Everything. I mean, Sunday papers, why are they so big? They're packed with catalogs and thick things. You need it. You want it. Come buy it. It's all about meditating on this stuff, right? Get it now. You got to have it. And the world does what? It pursues it, craves it. I find it so interesting. I heard a recent survey or a recent uh, statistic about 
how almost like 90% of the world has a cell phone. Did you know that? Even in third world countries, they're craving cell phones. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. Next thing you know, everybody's going to have a computer. Why? Craving it. Got to have it. Got to be connected. Get me in the World Wide Web. I got to be a part of things. Got to have friends, even though they're surface friends. I don't really talk to them except a little jot here or there. don't really cry with them. I don't pray with them, but I, I know them. They know me. <laughs> right? Pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. The world is constantly pursuing, seeking, craving the things of the world. But our Father knows what we need. He cares for us. The reason we shouldn't worry about these things is because God cares for us. He takes care of us. As Paul said in Philippians 4.19, he said, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now this might not mean, that might not mean that your health is always going to last. No. It might not mean that you will have the greatest steak meals. It might not mean that you get to go out to really nice restaurants. You might not even get to go to McDonald's. Oh, what a shame. You might actually have to eat peanut butter and jelly. Twice a day. (gasps) How about some beans and rice like the third world countries eat all the time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? There's beans and rice, and then there's rice and beans. They kind of mix it up and put it over to the side and eat a little bit more of the rice. And I separate it sometimes. I put it together sometimes. I remember. Remember Honduras? Beans and rice. But what do we crave? What do we seek? Not what the world seeks. I'll tell you what. We can fall in the same trap. The third world country can fall in the same trap, too. Pursuing their rice and beans more than God. Ladies and gentlemen, folks, our Lord is telling his disciples that they should not worry. Instead, they should pursue God. Seek him. Can you imagine, just for a second, a church full of people totally satisfied with God and not worrying with anything in the world? Can you imagine a church like that? That's what I want. I want a church that's totally obsessed, consumed, desiring and seeking God with all that they are. Can you imagine? Man, we'd be an amazing place, wouldn't we? Can you imagine a church that went to work to give, not to get? Can you imagine if you went to work? Why am I here? Why am I working? To give it away. Can you imagine a church like that? All they did was just to give. I'm working and working really hard just so I can give. Can you imagine a church that was so totally obsessed with God and helping others that not having the things of the world didn't matter? Doesn't matter. Can you imagine a church so totally satisfied with Jesus Christ that to live as Christ 
And to die is gain. That's what I want. I want a church like that, don't you? I want to be like that. I want a church that's totally obsessed and satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they rejoice in the Lord always. And he is so good that to die is gain. And to live is Christ, which means to sell my, give my soul to you. I'm going to just give everything to you. It's yours. Doesn't that sound familiar, by the way? Doesn't that sound familiar? That's the early church. Read the first couple chapters of Acts. They got it. They got it. They weren't obsessed with themselves. They were obsessed with Jesus. Totally satisfied with him. Where are you at? Where are you at on that big picture? Where are you? Jesus gives the answer to worrying here, he says in verses 24 to 28. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Listen, folks, we must think on him, and then we must seek his kingdom. Because ultimately, God's kingdom is all about who? The king. (laughs) God's kingdom is all about God. So we seek him. What is the most important thing in the kingdom? The king. (laughs) It's him. What is more important than food for us who believe in that king? What's more important than food? The king. He's more important than our food. He is. What's more important than anything that the world seeks after? He's more important than it all. It's Jesus. He's the king. Pursue him with all that you have. We must pursue Christ, our king, and his kingdom. We must crave him. Do you crave him? I mean, I want him. I want to know him more. I want to know him more. You? How about you? We must seek him with all of our hearts and our minds and our souls. And we will will give everything to get him. It doesn't matter what I own. I just want him more. That's what we need. That's what he's saying. The solution to worry. You ready? The solution to worry is what? Knowing our king and pursuing our king. Knowing how good he is and how great he is and how awesome he is and pursuing to know him more and enjoying in him and delighting in him. How'd you do with your Bible reading this week, by the way? You're pursuing him. He's good. Seek to know him. Enjoy him. We must understand exactly who our God is and what he is doing and what he will do. And then we must passionately seek him. Third, all disciples of Christ must treasure correctly. I love this. It's beautiful. Luke 12, 32 Oh, these words are just like so comforting. Do not be afraid, little flock. 
For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. An unfading treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ah, get this word. Treasure. I love it. Boy, doesn't that sound very close to rich towards God? It's what you value. Closely related to not worrying is fearing. He says, do not be afraid. A command, a reason, a solution. Always, same thing. A command to avoid fear. Do not be afraid, little flock. We see this beautiful little phrase, little flock. The disciples are compared to a small flock of sheep. The imagery is perfect. Jesus looks out and sees this giant crowd. Remember, it was a giant crowd. But yet he's talking to his sheep, his small little group there, in this midst of this giant crowd. And he says, don't be afraid, little flock. Little sheep. Small group of sheep. Huge crowd contrast. His small group of followers. You know, sheep are perfect Perfect, aren't they for us? I mean, study all the animals in the animal kingdom. Most of us would pick, I want to be like a lion, right? But God compares us to sheep. He says, you're just like sheep. My little group of sheep, don't be afraid. Why does he say that to us? Why does he say that to them? They are constantly spooked. Sheep are, aren't they? I mean, they... They're afraid of everything. Why do you think he says, lead me by still waters? You know why? Because as a sheep go by rushing waters, they get spooked and they won't drink from it. It's got to be soft and calm and still. Because sheep are fearful animals. Always do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what sheep are like. Nice. Vanessa, that was good. (laughs) I like your acting. And he says, don't be afraid, little flock. Then he gives a reason. He states, don't be afraid because your father has joyfully decided to bless us with the kingdom. Oh, what a great truth. But now I want you to understand something. In order for you not to worry, you have to think, Outside of this world, or you're not going to get it. If you're focused on here and now, it's going to be really difficult. The kingdom is already not yet, right? (laughs) We're enjoying the kingdom, but we're not completely enjoying the kingdom. You understand that? And he says, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now this sees the promise at the end, too. You're going to get the fullness of glory with God. Now, if your life is all about here and now, you're in trouble. But if your life is all about glory with God and being with him and his kingdom, then worry does what? It's not important. This, again, is a picture of God's great love for us. He sees sees and calls his disciples to think on these truths. 
Meditate on who God is to you. Now, again, this is startling. Again, Gina, another one. Fathers mentioned. What is this? This is so contrary to the Old Testament. In the past, he was the father of Israel, but now it's this intimacy that God is father for the individual. What does this say? That we can be in a right relationship with God as our father. Oh, oh, fathers, listen to me closely. You are the small glimpse of your children's glimpse of God the Father. Make sure you emulate that the right way. Just remember that even if they don't, we have a loving Father that's always there. You know, our Father, our Father never says, I don't have time for you. Our Father never says, nope, I don't want you to curl up in my lap. Our Father in heaven never says that. Our Father has graciously determined and it pleased Him to give you the kingdom. To share the glory of God with us timid, weak, worrying sheep. What a great God He is. Isn't He great? What a loving Father. When I meditate on the fact that For many years I've rejected, I rejected God. And yet he goes like this, you're mine. And I'm pleased to give you the kingdom. That will make you not worry and fear about anything. My God reigns. And he's my father. And knowing that he is my father, there is no fear. My God's. Spoke the universe into existence. My God sustains me. My Father has ordained that I will be with Him forever. Is there anything to fear? Nothing. Is there any reason to worry? No. If you have committed to Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if He is your Lord and Savior... He's your father. God is your father. And he has been pleased to provide the kingdom for you. Don't fear because your father has joyfully determined that you will receive the kingdom. This is staggering again. And it should be something that we meditate on all the time. Again, this is why the Apostle Paul spoke later and said, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because then I get the kingdom. Get to share with God in glory forever. There is nothing to fear. Death doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. It's all right to die. It's okay. Because God has graciously ordained for us to enjoy him forever. So he gives the solution. Look, the answer. Jesus gives exactly what we should treasure. Sell your possessions. Oh, that one would go over real well. Sell your possessions. Give to charity. 
Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. What's that mean? They got some special formula out there to make the money belts last? Yeah, God's money belt. That's picture language. Unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The answer to fear, the answer to worry is what we treasure. It's what we value. That's what he's getting at. What's important to you? Ladies and gentlemen, what's important to you? What do you value? Now, this is radical stuff, isn't it? He says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Sell your possessions and give to charity. there's, there's, There's just something inside me that sometimes makes me worry about saying anything about money in church. Because there's so many horrible televangelists out there that have misused those things. But isn't that the way Satan works? To try to put in me a fear and rob from you the blessings of valuing God above your possessions. Think about this for a second. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to tell you the same thing. Sell everything you got. Give it to charity. It's okay. Value God more than what you own. Do it. It's where your joy's found. You're being serious, Mike? Well, if God lays it on your heart to just give something away, don't hold on to it. Give it away. It's okay. You're never going to go wrong by helping people. Now, obviously, there's wisdom in helping people really help people. Just give, you know, the guy on the street that you can tell has been drinking, and he says, can I have a dollar to get me something to eat? Say, I will get you something to eat. Go to the store, buy him something to eat. Give him something to eat, sit down with him, and talk to him, give him the gospel. And spend time with him. And invite him to church. And say, hey, can we meet again tomorrow? And talk again. Sure. Don't give him a dollar and let him go out and buy alcohol and hurt himself more. But folks, do you see that the lifestyle of the believer that loves God is totally sacrificial? Because we value God more than the things of the world. I know we all need to improve on this, don't we? Is there anybody in the room that doesn't need to improve on this? We value our stuff way too much, don't we? Everybody's gotten quiet now. You've gone from preaching to meddling. Jesus says it. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What's important to you? Is it your money? Is it your 401k? Is it whether you get a Social Security check or not? Ladies and gentlemen, you will fear and you will worry at all of those things and over those things constantly. 
because in these world in this world all of those things go away you'll always be trying to hold on to them and it'll never be enough anybody in here have that problem you want to know I thought that this was tough but Jesus gets tougher <laughs> he says the same thing about your children and your wife and your parents. He better be valuable to us, huh? The good news is, is he is valuable. He's better than anything in this world has to offer. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We see, Lord, that you are the solution to our worry. You are a great and awesome and mighty God, and you provide all of our needs. And one day we will rejoice and be with you for he- in heaven forever. Oh, God, we beg you, please help us to know your value more. Please help inform our minds about who you are. And God, help us to pursue you with everything that we have. Show us your glory as Moses prayed. Show us your glory, God. Show this church your glory this year, please, God. Show us your glory so that we will pursue you. So that we will be satisfied with you. So that we will treasure you. And then Lord. We will know. That nothing we own in this world. Compares to you. For you. Are the great. And glorious. And loving. God. We pray this in your name. Amen.